Hello and welcome. My name is Dr. Raj Pasord. I'm a consultant psychiatrist based in private practice in Harley Street, London, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Oliver Gloag. He is Associate Professor of French and Francophone Literature at the University of North Carolina, Asheville. He is educated at Columbia University, Tulane University and Duke University. He specialises in Francophone and post-colonial literature, 20th century French literature and cultural history. He's published on Sartre and Camus and is a contributor to the Sartrean mind. Um, so um, Oliver Gloag has written um, a wonderful book called Albert Camus, a very short introduction, published by Oxford University Press. And we're going to be discussing a book that's very much in vague in vogue at the moment as well, a um, book by Albert Camus called The Plague. And a lot of people are referring to the idea that at this particular moment in time with the global pandemic that people are stuck in, that actually this might be a very apposite uh, read. Um, so there's a lot of stuff about this book at the moment. I, I'm, I'm delighted to be to, to, to a genuine expert on the subject. Because in my opinion, uh, the book is being widely misinterpreted, Camus' The Plague. So, Oliver, first question, um, you're aware of this renewed interest in the book, The Plague. Do you feel that if you're in the middle of a pandemic, as we are at the moment, this is a good moment to read this book? Sure, as good as ever. Uh, first, I want to thank you for having me over. I'm very excited to, to meet and discuss with you. Yes, I think it's worth reading. I mean, it's, a, it's an example of individual resistance against adversity. So it's, uh, it's topical in some ways, in other ways it's not. Um, of course, the plague makes us think of COVID-19. On the other hand, the story is diverges from ours in some ways. Um, it's certainly a huge hit. In France, I think you cannot get the paperback you know, on Amazon. It's completely sold out. So yes, people should read it. It's, it's Camus' second most popular book. Um, and and I, I hope we can discuss why people should read it and why it's also different uh, and speaks to different issues than what we're going through in some ways, as well as similar ones. Okay, well, let's first of all start with Albert Camus. Um, tell us a bit about him, and, and why is he an important figure? Well, Camus is, a, is possibly the most read French novelist and philosopher in the, in the 20th century, and today he is he's extremely popular. Uh, People, you know, his, 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 his books have been made into movies, pop songs. I think they're T-shirts. I think, uh, you know, many politicians invoke him. It's hard to find an editorial in France without a quote from Camus. And uh, he is, if, if you will, the embodiment of an ideal embodiment of the French Republic. This is a man who lost his father in World War I, whose mother, whose mother was um, a very modest means. Uh, from a working class background of Algiers, a French colony, and who ended up becoming the Nobel Prize for Literature. So this is a success story for the French Republic. And that explains in part his popularity. Of course, also the subject matter of his most famous book, The Stranger. This is the story of an office worker. And so here we have a new kind of hero, um, that we can all relate to uh, even today. Someone who doesn't fit, uh, someone who is not sort of conquering the world. So this is a new hero, very sort of very prescient. Uh, and also Camus was, uh, his popularity I think is explained with his, in terms of his connection with nature. He speaks a lot of nature and this notion of bonheur and intense happiness, um, the connection with the sun, with the beach, and he wrote this and he came up with this, this notion of, of, of intense happiness 
right around the, the late 1930s, after the French people were awarded paid vacation. And I think so he connects in many ways which, with massive societal changes. Um, so that's, that's why, in part, uh, he's popular in France. So he wins the Nobel Prize for Literature, and um, it, it sometimes may be difficult when you read the English translations to get a feel for um, what, what a great writer he is. Maybe he doesn't translate so well. There's some great passages in The Plague, um, which I, I think are standout pieces of brilliant writing. There's a horrendous scene towards the end where a young child dies at a deathbed scene, um, which is incredibly written, I think. Um, But part of what he's famous for is the notion of being a philosopher. So let's discuss what he's trying to say as a philosopher, because in his books, he's trying to tackle a central question, which is what it feels like to be alive? What is existence about? And a sense of, of people confronting their mortality. And there's a sense in which in the middle of a pandemic, people are stuck indoors, they're bored, they're turning in on themselves. There's a sense in which some people would argue Camus' philosophy has never been more apposite than at this moment. What, what are your thoughts? Well, well, the first thing that, that's interesting to note is that Camus didn't really consider himself a philosopher. I mean, he actually stated that I'm not a philosopher. I think Camus um, is is an essayist, and his theory of the absurd is really about impressions and feelings. Um, I think it all starts with uh, a realization of one's mortality. And I think the plague is about that. It's a pedagogical play. It's about trying to make the reader face their own mortality and deal with that anxiety, if you will. So um, the, that enterprise to try and make the reader face their own mortality, uh, it, it entails, for example, fighting narratives, stories that we tell ourselves that are there to calm that fear or to put it aside. And one of them would be religion. Uh, this idea that, well, a death is a stage and that will go somewhere else, be it heaven, purgatory, or, or hell. And Camus wants to, to a certain extent, do away with this and tell us that, uh, well, there's nothing there afterwards. Um, therefore, the character Panlu, the priest, is so important. Um, so he tries to do away with the idea of an all-powerful God. And that brings us to the scene that you mentioned of the death of the child. So the notion here is, you believe in a God that lets an innocent child die. Um, that's, a, that's a crucial, crucial scene. I think this is, this is at the heart of it all. It's being confronted with one's own mortality. And, and, and it's so important for Camus because at a very young age, Camus was confronted with his own mortality. It's in December in the early 20s. Camus is, is, is extremely young in, in his late teens. And he, he just played soccer, football, sorry. And he's uh, coughing up blood. And he gets sent to the hospital right away. And he could have died right there and then. And that changed his perspective. And I think marked his fiction and it liberated him to a certain extent. And so he's trying to teach that experience to the reader. 
So when um, people are interpreting the plague, the first interpretation they make is that because the book is published shortly after the end of the Second World War, that this infestation of rats and, and the bacillus and the bubonic plague or whatever it is that strikes the town. And to some extent, that's not really made entirely clear. You just know that it's a dreadful disease that kills people and is terribly uh, contagious. Um, people have said that this is really about the Nazi occupation, but there's a sense in which that's kind of like missing the point or belittling the book. The, isn't it the case um, that, that the plague has to be faceless? It can't be a, an individual or a group of evil people because what Camus is saying is life is like the plague. It's random. Terrible things will happen to you and there's no rhyme or reason why they'll happen to you. Again, what, what are your thoughts? Well, it's interesting because certainly Camus wrote the novel during the German occupation. There are certain similarities in terms of what happens to Camus and what happens to certain characters in terms of separation from their loved ones. Camus was separated from his wife because of the German occupation, just the way the journalist Rambert was separated from from his future wife um, when he went to Oran. At the same time, it's true it would impoverish the novel to just limit it to, to that allegory um, but I think that for Camus, it, it's, it's, it, it represents a transition. And, and I think we have to go back to Camus' theory of the absurd. So before he writes the play, Camus has a theory of the absurd, which is that, you know, one of the, the pillars of this, or, um, of this theory is that life is meaningless and life is short and the only certainty is death. And the first uh, iteration of this theory bordered on nihilism. And there was very, very little moral in Camus' viewpoint. You could do whatever you wanted. There was no judgment. So his first novel is about a man who kills another man on the beach for no reason. Um, his first play that he wrote from, from beginning to end is about the German emperor who, who wreaks havoc on his citizens. And there is no sense of, of right or wrong. However, there is a slight change in the plague where there are some characters who decide to fight the plague and others who benefit from it. And so all of a sudden we have the injection of morality. And that's what precisely happened in Camus' life. Contrary to what most commentators think, or what we're taught about Camus, Camus was a latecomer to the resistance. He joined the resistance either in December 1943 or January 1945, so we're talking five, six months before D-Day. And there was a struggle. He was, you know, for appeasement uh, right before the beginning of the war, as were many people on the right and the left. And so he struggled with that. Um, and I think that what happens in the plague is that it's the absurd plus a certain degree of morality. And that degree of morality of humanism was injected and forced upon him by the German occupation of France. So he could be completely separated. That's why it's important. But for us, for our purposes, it's true that um, that sort of Germany's out of the picture, as it were. And anyways, the comparison is, is problematic. How do you compare, you know, uh, a historical event with 
a bacteriological one or with, with a medical event. That's not possible unless you think that Germans are a virus. So this also spoke to the Camus' refusal of explanations, refusal of intelli intelligence. He didn't want to analyze historical events. And in a way, what's interesting about the plague, in the, the story is about the desire for a return to normalcy, the everyday life before the plague struck, which is in a way what the resistance was, the resistance to Nazi occupation. So I think it's, it's very difficult to separate the German occupation from the plague. That's how it was read. But that reading is in itself prob problematic. Um, and this notion of the absurd, let's talk a bit about that, because um, there are different strands of existentialist philosophy, and um, Camus is most associated with this uh, very innovative notion, the notion of the absurd, the notion that religion tries to find explanation in 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 what seems like terrible events, random car crashes, and there's some meaning behind it all, and and the the, the priest in the plague tries to explain to the town in a in a very important sermon that the reason the plague is visited upon you is because you've done wrong, you've sinned, and this is a sign, and you should turn to to religion or, or repent. Um, so Camus rejects the notion that religion can explain life he also rejects the notion that science can explain life and what you're left with then is that life is ultimately absurd there is no explanation again would you go along with that uh, interpretation yes i mean what's interesting here is that there are two absurds for Camus. first is the absurd the sense that there are there is no expl explanation or actual meaning of life and how does that come about how does Camus describe it he describes this and talks about this at length in The Myth of Sisyphus, um, his first full-length essay. And he speaks to a scene where he's walking down the road or someone is walking in, seeing in a cafe someone across a glass window speak intently to a piece of plastic. And at that moment, there's sort of an outer body experience where you ask yourself, what am I doing here? What is this person doing? And of course, that person is just talking into a phone. But for, for a brief but powerful instant, there's a questioning of a profound existential questioning about what, what's the meaning of life? What are we doing here? And that moment for Camus is the feeling of the absurd. But then there is... Once one realizes this, that there is absolutely no meaning, then there's a second stage for Camus, and that is to embrace an absurd life. Um, so, so the, and, and it's interesting because then that leads to his whole theory of the absurd and the absurd man, and we can get into that later. But first, this notion of feeling of the absurd is a precondition, I think, for existentialism. And Camus doesn't explain or theorize the feeling of the absurd. He just gives us examples like the one I, I just gave you. And, and so it's not really existentialism. Here you'll see it's sort of the premise or the condition of possibility for existentialism. First, you need to know that life has no meaning, that there is no preordained meaning, but then you need to move on. I mean, existentialism is premised on a series of choices that you are um, the, the series of decisions that you made about your life. It's about personal responsibility. Camus just stays at the premise, as it were, uh, this notion that there is nothing. And then 
once you notice that, you can then embrace absurdity and lead an absurd life. And he gives us a blueprint for that in the Mythos Sisyphus. Okay, but isn't there a sense, and I know I may be putting this slightly tritely, that it's a kind of self-help philosophy in the sense that it's saying a couple of things. You're never more truly alive than when you notice the absurd. And we spend most of our lives in denial of it or running away from it. We consume fiction. We go to church. Uh, we, we, we try to ignore this thing that it's better to confront and accept. So you're never really truly alive till you embrace the absurd. And having embraced it, you can then deal with it better than if you don't do that. So there is a sense in which it's a self-help philosophy. Yes, yes, I think it is. Uh, I think for him it means it means embracing life in a very different way outside of morals. So it, 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 he has a theory of the Don Juan. He has uh, examples of people who lead absurd lives, who are not afraid, first off, of dying. So he, he talks about soldiers. He talks about actors because they play on the stage different lives, different characters, and then those characters die and they become new ones. Uh, with the Don Juan, it's more different lives with women that go on very intensely and then it's on to the next one. And so this sense of, of really living a full life, but it's never really meant... For the collective, this is this is sort of an elite of people who are able to lead an absurd life. So in that sense, it's, it's self-help. It certainly also was self-help in the sense that it's sort of a rejection of living a banal life. Living, um, so Camus tried to become the equivalent of a civil servant, but was rejected because of his TB. And so I think to a certain extent, there was a real sense of, of disappointment there. And so the absurd and this rejection of, of sort of a typical life is, is a way to, to, to maybe not rationalize, but to live with that, those, those disappointments. But there's also a sense of which he's fascinated or, or um, intrigued by death. And I think it's, it's him who says something like the central question of philosophy or life is suicide. Um, why do we carry on rather than commit suicide? So let's go to this opening line, which you describe in your book about Albert Camus as taking the literary establishment in France by storm, the opening line to L'Etranger. And I agree with you. It's an amazing line. I'm just going to read it. It says, mother died today or yesterday, maybe. I don't know. I got a telegram from the retirement home. Mother deceased. Funeral tomorrow. Faithfully yours. That doesn't mean anything. Maybe it was yesterday. So um, the, he's trying to, 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 to grasp at the absurd in this central character, Merceau, um, who is the central character in, in this book. But, but death seems to be one of the key concerns, which is why, again, the plague is apposite for today, that, that, that death is a very real issue for Camus. Again, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I think this sentence, it, it, it challenges common sense values um, and the way we look at death in our societies. So the reason why I took it by storm is because you're supposed to remember the date of your mother's death. And the fact that he doesn't and the fact that it, it doesn't seem to matter to him is a challenging, challenges how we, we face death, how it's codified. That moment has to be bracketed um, because it's so sensitive and grief has to be sort of put and, um, and and it's, all sorts of rituals have to have to go with those moments. And so he's he's challenging that. And, and when we first read that, and he doesn't remember the, the date of his mother's death, 
Well, that's shocking. At the same time, we also agree with him when he, he, he says he gets the notes of condolences. He says that doesn't mean anything. And that's true, right? So this is a, a, a sort of radical challenge to really what are the Christian morals um, surrounding death. Um, that we, we, grief is on command. Grief is codified. And, and this is challenged, of course, by Camus in this book and for us today. Because all of a sudden there's an inordinate amount of deaths um, and we, we don't know how to deal with it. So certainly that, that, that speaks to Camus and to the problematics of Camus. He is dealing with the anxieties of death and he's sort of criticizing our own, um, our judgment on how people, people are supposed to feel the same way about death as everyone else. Um, and so the death of the mother, that is, you know, the big taboo. Uh, everyone is, it's sort of like the notion of family. Everyone's supposed to love their family. So he's challenging that and more at the most sensitive uh, moment in family life. So that's really why it, it, it sort of, it, it, there is this desire in Camus to shock bourgeois values. We must never forget that Camus was one of the few working class writers in, in French literature, much as he tried to hide it in some ways. So this is throughout The Stranger, there are moments where he's shocking uh, the reader. Two days after the funeral, he goes and has an affair um, with this, this woman he meets on a beach, a former colleague. That also shocked people. He went to see a, a movie with Fernandel, it's sort of the equivalent of the Marx Brothers, that day. Um, so, so a lot of, um, so he thumbs his nose at all these moral values, all that, that, that sort of grief on command. So some people have said that, um, that Camus' personal journey in terms of the books he wrote before he got to the plague and the and the re part of the reason why he's writing the plague is he's taking his philosophy further because the plague happens to a town. It doesn't happen to just one individual. So the notion here is that how do we as a community, as a society, deal with the stress, with the, the, the confrontation with death that the plague represents? So the, the, the previous books have been about how individuals wrestle with stuff and now he's talking about how we as a community should deal with each other and how we as a community face these predicaments again what are your thoughts well that that would be um i think that's one of the great failings of the book um in, in, in if, if you will if you want to look at a community response in this book it is not there uh you have it's a town but you it's centered around six main characters so these and they're all men and they're individuals uh, with Rieu, the doctor, Palou, the priest that we, we talked about before, Raymond Rambert, Rambert, who is the journalist, who might be the closest thing to stand in to Camus, for Camus. And you've got three other characters. One of them becomes a collaborator. But these are sort of, these are the heroes or anti-heroes of the story. As far as the collectivity, it's not there. At the end, they all celebrate the inhabitants of Oran, um, but they're celebrating sort of unknowingly, and they're all seen as passive victims. So if we want to make a parallel with today, um, those characters that are, are starring, as it were, in the plague would be our doctors, our nurses, our cashiers, the people who are exposed. Uh, but as far as the great bulk of people, many of them carry on as usual, because, again, 
it's not individual confinement in the novel. It's confinement of the city as a whole. So that's a big distinction, but it's also because it's not a collective enterprise here. These are extraordinary men. And here we go back to the notion of the French resistance. Again, it's an elite of people who, who are, it's sort of an avant-garde as it were. So I don't think we see uh, the mass of the population, in fact, sort of sort of despised in a way. At the beginning of the, the plague, it's in Oran, and they're sitting there and they're playing their games. Uh, people are going to the bar, drinking aperitifs, playing, playing cards, and they're sort of passively going through life. And then, you know, they, they keep going and then they rejoice at the end. Unbeknownst to them, the virus will probably come back. Um, there is a sort of a, a vision um, that the collective isn't really present. This is not the whole city rising up. This is the elite, the doctors, a few good men, as it were. So there is um, a, a, a key scene, in my opinion, towards the end of the book where Taru and the doctor um, take a break and Taru encourages the doctor to take a break and they go for a swim. So there's a kind of bonding moment between them um, and um, just before they go for a swim, Taru says, I, I had the plague before the plague began here, kind of hinting that the plague is always around, actually. Um, and the point of life is to understand that. Um, it's not that the plague arrives and the plague leaves. He, he says, I had it before. And um, the book hints very ominously at the end that the thing's gone away for now, but it's only for now. Um, so this notion, um, the two of them bond a little bit on, on the swim by the, by the shore, this notion of the elemental connection with nature um, in, in L'Etranger, in The Stranger, um, the, the Arab is, is killed on a beach as well. There seems to be something quite important about that, the beach, the sea, the sun, as, uh, and the elemental appreciation of nature seems to be important to Camus. And I think you hint about this in your book on Camus. Again, what are your thoughts? Yes, I think that the, the presence of nature as an all-powerful force that um, transcends human history. I think for Camus, nature is a way to, to transcend, again, human intelligence, to hark back to time immemorial before human history. Um, there is a, the, the, the importance of the sun, so we can connect it back to human history with the vacation, the fact that the majority of the population suddenly has access to those beaches and to the sun. And so that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is that Camus wants to escape recent human history in the sense that he wants to, he doesn't want to look at the last, for example, 200 years of French history, which deal with the conquest of Algeria, which was a particularly bloody affair. And so one way to go beyond that is to look at this, to, to, to really sort of fall into this uh, admiration of the sun, of nature, this sort of a romanticism. Uh, and, and that includes, of course, the notion of epidemics, pandemics, because it's something that's beyond uh, the scope of human understanding. And that's the notion we get at the end. It's got to come back and there's nothing we can do about it. So... In a sense, if you'd like, this goes back also to the absurd, which is a rejection of the ability of human beings to understand or resolve issues. You, you, you go with the flow, you accept that reality, but you're not trying to figure it out or inscribe it in a greater narrative, um, sort of a greater historical na narrative like Hegel might propose. Uh, this is for, so it's a real rejection here. Uh, it's, 
you, you can think, I like to think of Wordsworth and how he, he goes, you know, he thinks of nature and he, he, it brings him back to a moment of childhood um, and where he thinks of himself perhaps more of, as a plant, or as part of nature. Um, and so that, that idea that we're, we're living beings as opposed to, to understanding ones. There's a sort of profoundly anti-enlightenment and romantic strain in Camus himself. And let's not forget the title of The Stranger. I mean, it comes from a, a poem by Baudelaire, and, uh, which is, you know, uh, absolutely saying that the only important thing is really the sun, the sky, and the clouds. But is that not another reason why um, these things are important to Camus, which is that if one of the reasons for reading The Plague now is in how incredibly prophetic it is and, and great works of literature um, keep coming back as having something to say generation after generation into the future, which is why they're so rare, uh, great works of literature. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about The Plague is it reminds us that we have this human need for reassurance. Disaster occurs and we're looking for reassurance. So the prime minister or the president gets on TV, quotes statistics, they have doctors besides them, and they're always coming up with a plan. And, and the statistics and the plan is always designed to reassure us that it's all under control and it's all going to be okay in the end. Whereas the existentialist view or the Camus view is that that's not really the case. What they're appealing to and why we fall for it is this human desire for reassurance. And what would be better is if we abandoned uh, the notion that maybe reassurance is possible and, and faced our fate with more equanimity. Again, again, what are your thoughts? Yes, I think that uh, if we're looking for reassurance in the plague, forget it. It's about human fortitude and it's about going on no matter what without hope for reward or success, but just as a sort of humanistic duty. And at one point, um, I think Rieu says, the point is not to look to God. It's not really an anti-religious novel. It's just a notion that God is not going to fix things for us. He may or may not exist, but what needs to be done is by human beings in a sort of selfless fashion, knowing that there's a certain element of powerlessness. After all, in the plague, the plague recedes. No one knows why. It just recedes. Um, so, so it's this idea of human responsibility, but modified or minimized and cut down to size, if you will. So it's the human spirit, but not all conquering. So you're going to read the plague. It's not going to be a happy story. Um, but it does provide a model in, in, you know, with the example of Dr. Rieu and others who keep working tirelessly. Uh, but these are not really, um, yeah, so these are not necessarily heroes. So there's no, there's no comfort there. There's just a sense of what needs to be done. So let's talk about the, the bits in which the book does not feel um, that modern. The fact that all the key characters are male. Um, at the beginning of the of the plot of the of, of the plague, the doctor sends his wife away, um, and I won't spoil what, what happens at the end. But um, so th there's very little male female dynamic. Camus himself, from your book, seems to have been a chronic uh, philanderer and had several different girlfriends on the go at the same time. It seems so. It's I, I wonder whether there's something that's coming through here in terms of his relationship with women. Um, again, what, what are your thoughts? Well, it's it's you know it's it's difficult to to, to really talk about. Um, I mean, what, as 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 a, a critic, one doesn't necessarily want to really delve into the personal life of of, of of novelists and artistic figures. Certainly, 
you know, recently there have been a lot of publications in France about his, you know, volumes of love letters with, with his various mistresses. So I suppose to a certain extent that, that does make it fair game. Um, Camus had a, had a very sort of, yes, as you say, buried life on, on, on a personal level. What's, what's interesting to, to see is that, and perhaps what makes it legitimate for, for discussion, is that he theorized it in the myth of Sisyphus. Uh, remember, he, we discussed how after realizing the absurdity of life, the, the second stage of this realization is to become or to embrace the absurd world. And one of those, uh, and there, so there are absurd men who lead absurd lives. And one of the examples was the Don Juan. And so the idea here is moving from one woman to another, according to Camus here, is to get to the stage of absolute intensity. Uh, the first few months, it's fantastic. And then the routine sets in. Time for the next one, says Don Juan, says Camus, who speaks this in, in the, these are passages where you, you sense that he speaks um, from own, his own personal knowledge. Um, so, and then of course there's the the idea. Yes, so no 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 female characters of of note, in in most of Camus' fiction, there's one in in one short story. But overall, they're they're not real actors, and uh, there are no examples. I, I think of absurd women in his texts. Uh, there is a brief, I think, non-attributed quote to La Passionaria, but. Overall, women are, are really sort of left out. When Simone de Beauvoir published her, her, you know, sort of the founding text of feminism, The Second Sex, he is said to have said that he not only did he not like it, but he thought it humiliated the French male. Uh, so, so yes, yeah, so today it's, what's odd is that no feminist scholar that I know of has truly taken Camus' work to task for this. Uh, which I, I find interesting. There's some passages that are uh, incredible with respect to um, what the, at least the misogyny of the central character in the fall. Uh, hmm. and, and where he speaks to his inability to be interested in women outside of physical contact. Uh, and those passages are there to be seen, the other ones that are even more shocking, and no one really talks about them. Um, I don't think that's the most interesting thing about Camus. Uh, but but it, perhaps it's worth a mention. I don't know. What about the reception of the book? I, there's something in your book about Camus to do with Jean-Paul Sartre and his uh, review of the plague. Now, he fell out with Sartre, um, and this is quite important because these are towering figures in... I know he said he wasn't a philosopher, but he's regarded as being an existentialist writer at the least. Um, so Simone de Beauvoir and Jean-Paul Sartre hang out together. Um, they're, they're, they're kind of partners, and they fall out with Sartre. Simone de Beauvoir is very condescending about Camus and says Camus doesn't really read books, for example. <laughs> he just um, uh, uh, glances through them. Um, could you say something about his relationship with and, and Sartre's reaction to the plague? Well, um, it all started uh, back when Camus was very young. He wrote a review of Sartre's um, novel Nausea, which was, which was, you know, there was mixed praise with, with criticism. He didn't like Sartre's professorial tone. And what was interesting is that in turn, later on, um, Sartre reviewed uh, Camus' The Stranger, who came out in 42 during the German occupation. And, and Sartre was very professorial and criticized. He also reviewed the myth of Sisyphus in the same review and criticized, again, this, as, as you say, um, 
here that Ke he suspects that Camus hadn't read the primary sources, so he does employ a pro professorial uh, tone. But then again, when they met, they hit it off, you know, really well. They got got along um, very well. I think perhaps united by the fact that they met during the occupation. Uh, and there was a real, there was a very strong connection between the two, and they worked together. Uh, Camus. Uh, sent him to the, the States. Camus was the head of the main journal of the French resistance. So they were very close, but they broke on, I think, ultimately the issue of, well, the twin issue, the issue of uh, the Soviet Union and colonialism. And Camus was had a very complicated relationship to colonialism, and Sartre was um, completely against it. He compared what the French did in Indochina with what the Germans did in France. This is right after the war. So he took a very strong stance, which was not Camus' stance. And I think over the years, they broke up. And I think they broke, they, 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 the break really exploded after Camus' uh, essay, um, L'homme révolté, whose title in French and English I should know. But um, that was ultimately the break over Camus' description of the Soviet Union as as equivalent to the Nazis and so on and so forth. I don't think Sartre actually reviewed the plague itself. He did consider it a masterpiece, and they were always sort of very supportive of one another's work. Uh, but on politics is is I think ultimately where they broke off. Now we could talk about that more, of course. Well, let's talk a little bit about the opening couple of lines in um, the plague. Refer to Iran and describe it as a French. Um, town, yet it's in Algeria. So there's a politically loaded statement right there. It reflects maybe something about um, Camus' uh, relationship with colonialism. And although this is meant to be a town in Algeria, the, the, you, the, the most of the characters don't seem to be Algerian that you're dealing with. So again, any thoughts about that? Yes, it's very interesting. And, and if I may, he, when he I, I'm just going to quote the passage he, he describes Oran, and that's the town in, in a port in, in French Algeria. And he says, it's merely a large French port on the Algerian coast, headquarters of the prefect of a French department. So there's this idea that this is banal. What is banal? That this town in Algeria is just a French town. So he, he therefore ratifies French colonialism as going without saying, as part of the common sense. Um, that, I think, it shows that, you know, Camus was sort of a, a product of his time, but he was also radically committed to the notion, to, to the twin notions of Algeria remaining French, but he also wanted that colonial system to be more fair and more just. So he did some reporting in the, in, in the, in the region of Kabylia uh, about the rights and living conditions there. He was very concerned um, and he was about the, the, the welfare of uh, the Arab living in Algeria. But I think that ultimately this was so that the colonial system could go on. Uh, Camus represented this notion of colonialism with a human face. And he, he believed in this uh, until the, the, the very end of the French experience in Algeria. Uh, and then, of course, there is... Um, the, the fact, as you mentioned, that there's not a single Arab character in the plague. Well, that's quite extraordinary. Because although Oran, of all the big French colonial cities, was the one with the most colonizers, the most settlers, 
there still was a massive population of Algerians, and they've completely been disappeared. Uh, they at one point go into what they call the black neighborhood. I think it's uh, uh, Rambert and Rieux, and it's completely deserted. So that's also quite strange. And so there are a number of different interpretations about this, this sort of disappearance. Um, so why are they not there? Why are they not talked about? Uh, is this a, a fantasy, a colonialist fantasy of, of you know, the, the place rid of Algerians, uh, how they see it? It's interesting because he doesn't really confront uh, um, Algerians in his fiction un until his last posthumous novel. But then they never know when they are characters, the Arabs in Camus' novels don't have first names. They don't have last names either. Um, they're, they're sort of really uh, extras at best, non-speaking ones. And that's something also that's been discussed and, and Camus has been taken to task for this. So one way to interpret the, the plague, you know, if we're going to do, if we're going to do allegories, instead of thinking of the plague as the Germans, one could think of the plague as the resistance of Algerians to the French occupation from 1830 on, and this from the perspective of a French settler. A French settler sees the French occupation, the colonization, as a living being destined for death. Death by plague. Plague being the resistance of the Algerian people. That this is inevitable. And at the end, even though there are temporary victories, at the end, the plague will return and will return. And it has returned in, this, in, in, in the form of Algerian independence. So, of course, I am not proposing that Algerian resistance is the plague, but I'm proposing that in the eye of a French settler, it is seen as such. And so we could look at that, uh, at that history of France and Algeria from 1830 to 1962 as the story of a struggle against an organism that is fighting for its own survival. Um, that's one interpretation, of course, that would, would, would shock many people. Uh, so um, at the beginning of the book, you say, which is not present in some English translations, there is a reference to Daniel Defoe, who wrote about the plague several centuries earlier, the plague in, in London. Um, it is interesting that when people are looking for something to read literary, serious about plagues at this moment, there, there's relatively few books, actually. I mean, there, there's lots of um, popular fiction um, more recently written, but in terms of um, literary fiction of, of this quality, the plague stands out, which is why it's so uh, it's, it's it's difficult to get hold of a copy. I, I had to get hold of my copy um, off eBay, for example. Um, <laughs> so, um, is there something to be said about why people don't want to tackle the plague uh, or, or plagues because um, they are random things? People will die randomly, and it's difficult to to construct plot. Um, and so, is should one not doff Camus a hat, one hat to Camus because he took this on and very few people have managed to since? I think that's an, that's an excellent point. Uh, and, and you're right. Like I was looking at this and I thought, all right, so there's a Defoe text, which, you know, this is not really Defoe's journal. He was six years old when the, the plague happened in London. There is uh, Samuel Pep's diary. If you look at the entries in 1665, 1666, but interestingly, of course, it's it's a diary. And so uh, I would recommend looking at um, Kim Stanley Robinson, who writes excellent science fiction. And he wrote a book, um, a, fic a fictional book about uh, about the plague. 
um, and on the you know basis of the plague having hit Europe so hard that suddenly now China is the dominating um, civilization. And I, I don't have the title off the top of my head, but I think yes, absolutely. This this lack of of fear. This is Camus absurd. This in that sense, it's very much um, an existentialist novel, but in the in the strain of Camus, you know, where where there's not necessarily the hope for a new society, uh, for a new system. Camus is not for radical social change. He just wants things to go on as usual and, you know, and, and have a society depend on a few sort of supermen, as it were, you know, absurd men willing to sacrifice themselves and to fight for a greater good, which, which may or may not happen. Uh, yeah, I think we should give him kudos for that. Uh, that's, that's clearly important. And I think that's a consequence of the fact that Camus was not afraid of his own mortality, having faced it and having been given a life expect, expectation that was extraordinarily short. So in, in that sense, it sort, of been, it, it sort of allows us to understand the character. He lived his life to the fullest um, in, 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 in all ways, in terms of his fiction, his personal life. I, I think that's, uh, that's important. And, and yes, so perhaps that's a great key to understanding why he wrote about the plague that way. Uh, and, and so few have since then. So thank you very much, um, Oliver, for talking to us. Uh, your book, I'm going to end with, with one final question, so brace yourself. But your book, just to run over again, is Albert Camus, A Very Short Introduction, published by Oxford University Press. We've been discussing um, the novel uh, The Plague by Camus. Um, I, I've got the Penguin edition, but there, there are other, I think, other editions uh, out there. And I think you can get it on eBay. It's very difficult to get hold of anywhere else. Um, but my final question to you, um, Oliver, is, is, is your relationship with um, Camus. Because because in your book, you, you, you give a very dispassionate account. It's a very, it's a wonderful short introduction to Camus. But um, what do you think about him in terms of your relationship with him? Because you're, you're very critical of him in the book, as well as having enormous respect for um, what he's achieved. So I felt a kind of bittersweet relationship there. Well, uh, yes, I think that, uh, you know, most perspectives on Camus are either idolizations or, you know, sort of radical critiques. But Camus is, is torn. Camus is at once an incredible example of public education. This is, again, uh, a, a young boy who doesn't have a father, whose mother cleans homes, and through the support of the French state, of the French educational system, and mentors, teachers, university professors, hard work, he becomes the Nobel Prize for Literature. He writes these novels. He writes novels that, and this is someone who's worked his entire life in offices, doing tedious, menial jobs, and he's able to translate that life and that that new interaction with nature that has come through, you know, the awarding of vacations. Uh, he writes about that, and in that sense, he's he's completely unique. But at the same time, we have someone who is profoundly attached to colonialism, to Algeria as a, um, a section of France, as it were, and he was profoundly against that independence. So he's an ambiguous character. I mean, I think we all are. And um, this is his strength. He, he, he doesn't exactly know how to talk about that. In some ways, the, 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 the desire for more justice in Algeria is something that he represses. And, and, and that repression it is apparent in the lack of names and the lack of presence of Arabs in his fiction. 
And occasionally you see a bit of it here and there. So he's torn. He's torn in, in no, we all have that. We have contradictions between our ideas and then where we shop or what car we drive or uh, what we're doing with our money or how we earn it. And, and then our feelings, our grand emotions. And Camus, this was at the center of who he was. And I see that contradiction as the matrix of all, of all his works. So to, to embrace that uh, is the best way, I think, to understand Camus, even though that means that he is no longer an idol. Uh, but I think that, that we have to make our peace with that. Uh, perhaps, perhaps authors don't need to be lionized, but rather appreciated for the human beings that they are. Well, Oliver Glug, thank you very much indeed, Associate Professor of French and Francophone Literature at the University of North Carolina. And just to say one more time, the book you've written is Albert Camus, a very short introduction, and Camus wrote a book called The Plague. Oliver, thank you very much indeed. Raj, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.